Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan on your Odyssey app live from the Lakeland University studios. I'm not Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, though. You probably figured that out already. I'm Rami Makloff of The Rami Show coming up at 3 o'clock. You may know me from the Wendy's Big Show and from, well, the Rami Show. Coming up on the show this afternoon, we'll hear from Dennis Krause at 2.30 from Spectrum One. Also coming up on The Rami Show, Ryan Horvat of BetMGM tonight. He'll join me at 3.45. We'll have some fun with Eric Wheelow and James Hancock. They're headlining out at the Laughing Tap this weekend. They're here at 4.30 for some, uh, well, we'll just talk with those guys and do some draft mockery with them as well. Coming up on this show, though, I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks with you at 414-799-1250, or you can tweet the show at 1250AMTheFan. I want to know, is your confidence in the Bucks shook in any way? You shook, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet the show at 1250AMTheFan. And I, I ask this because I was reading Eric Name's mailbag today, and he said that y'all bombarded him with questions about the Milwaukee Bucks after the loss. Usually it's like a one-part thing. He had to break the mailbag up into two parts because y'all sent him well over triple digits in questions via emails and tweets about the Milwaukee Bucks after their demise, after their unfortunate demise at the hands of the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semis. And people in that article what we're, we're pointing blame at Coach Bud. We're pointing blame at certain players. We're pointing blame at the front office and John Horst. We're pointing blame at ownership. And, I mean, those things can be skewed in terms of the, 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 the temperature of a fan base and, and how they feel, how confident they are about their, their franchise moving forward. But, man, every level of the Milwaukee Bucks was questioned in this thing, and on some levels, Eric agreed with some of what Bucks fans were saying, and on some levels, he didn't. And Eric is is one to call it down the middle. He's as good and as professional and as objective as anybody covering the Milwaukee Bucks. So is your confidence in the Bucks shook in any way in terms of where they stand in this window 
that they're in right now of, of being a championship contender? Are you not as confident in them as an organization as you were maybe just a couple of weeks ago? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet the show at 1250AMTheFan. Get in on Sparky's Midday Madness. Rami in for Sparky. I know a lot of people, and myself included, real frustrated with the strategy of the Milwaukee Bucks against the three-point shot. And with with some with some warrant with 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 some with some credibility to that frustration after the Celtics were able to do what they did in that series and the reality is that for the last 3 seasons the bucks in the regular season have kind of regressed defensively i think they went from 1st to ninth to 15th and defensive efficiency, defensive efficiency rankings in the last three years. And people might look at that and go, well, the league is figuring out Coach Bud and his whole strategy of the drop coverage defense and giving up the three and taking away the paint, giving you the mid-ranger and the three, and maybe the league is catching up to him. But here's the thing. Every year when it gets to the playoffs, and even in the years where it didn't end the way we all wanted it to end, the Bucks were actually still a pretty good defensive team. The Celtics, even in the series that the Bucks lost, were still well below their, their average, their norm when it comes to offensive efficiency and scoring per 100 uh, possessions. The problem wasn't, and Eric said this on the show, and Kane Pittman of the Locked On Bucks podcast said had similar sentiments on this show in the aftermath of the Bucks loss to the Celtics. The Bucks didn't lose because of their defense and because of all the threes that the Celtics hit, at least not entirely. The Bucks lost, well, for two reasons. The Celtics did have outlier games in terms of the number of threes that they hit and and, and expected and expected threes that they hit. They had a couple of games that were that they were just off the charts hot. That happened to the Bucks against the Suns last year. This year it caught up to them. But it was off the charts and it was not it was not what the the statisticians would project even with the defense that the Bucks played that the Celtics would hit shots at the rate that they did, both in game 7 and I think it was in game 4. And also because the Bucks were missing threes. In volume, boy, were they missing threes. I said this I said this right after the series was over. After game five, Giannis was the best three-point shooter on the Bucs. Let that set in. Everyone not named Giannis, I believe, was eight for 55 from the three-point line in game six and seven. They didn't lose because they were giving up too many points. Yeah. I mean, man, was it frustrating watching Grant Williams stand out there at the three-point line and bomb away, especially Grant Williams. Because A, he's Grant Williams, and B, that face. You know what I mean? It's real frustrating. But if the Bucks hit threes at the rate with which the numbers say they should, they, they maybe win those games and are at least still in those games. So while 
yeah, there might be something to the criticism of Coach Bud and his defensive philosophy, and maybe they need to be a little bit more versatile and have a roster that allows them to play a little bit more switch defense when they run into smaller teams, and it calls for that, so they're not so wide open on the three-point line. But it wasn't the reason that the Bucks lost. Now, if you got a problem with Coach Bud going with George Hill in heavy doses over Javon Carter, I have no defense of that. And neither really did Eric name in this article or in this in his in his mailbag at the athletic. There really is just no excuse for that. They were a better team when George Hill was on the court in the regular season, but that simply was not the case in that series against the Celtics, and Coach Bud never recognized that. So if you're if your confidence is shaken in Coach Bud in that sense, I get it. I understand. But if it's about the three-point defense and how teams pick them apart from the three-point line, they should still be able to overcome that if they hit their shots. And that part of it really ain't broken if you if you look at it a little bit more deeply. Asking if your confidence in the Bucks is shaken at all, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet the show at 1250 AM The Fan. If you want to talk about the roster and in his mailbag, Eric Name was asked about the trade of Dante DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka. Also, whether or not Grayson Allen is somebody that you can keep on this roster if they have to move on from him after a really, really rough performance against the Boston Celtics. I don't know that there's really one fatal flaw with this roster. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah, maybe if you knew you were running into the Celtics and what they were going to throw at you, you don't make that Dante DiVincenzo trade for Serge Ibaka because Dante, if he finds his form again, which he never really did after coming back from the injury, at least not in a Bucks uniform, if he finds his form again, though, he's more useful in that series than Serge Ibaka is, sure. But you didn't know that then, and we were all clamoring for a big man. Now, we'll get to John Horst and his decisions when it comes to that center position and other things in just a second. But... You didn't know you were going to run into the Celtics. Quite frankly, if if you ran into the Heat, you might need Serge Ibaka. Remember last year when Bobby Portis wasn't needed for a whole series and then played a huge role later in the playoffs? It's about matchups when you're talking about guys coming off the bench. And so I don't know that you can really knock the Serge Ibaka for Dante DiVincenzo trade. And as far as Grayson Allen goes, man, that guy was pretty good. He got... He got cooked in that Celtics series, but that's because the Celtics were able to prioritize cooking Grayson Allen a little bit more than they normally could because there was no Chris Middleton there. Grayson Allen was asked to do more than maybe he should be asked to do, but in the role that you ask him to play in normal circumstances, I think he's a good enough player to be on this team and help you win a championship. Now we get to John Horst. Asking you if your confidence in the Bucks is shook at all. Almost two weeks after their exit from the playoffs. 414-799-1250. Or you can tweet the show at 1250AMTheFan. Now we get to John Horst and the front office. And again, it was Eric Name's article that had me thinking about this. And has me thinking that Bucks fans are a little shook when it comes to the confidence in their organization. In his mailbag... In a question about John Horst and some of the moves that he made, namely bringing in Wesley Wesley Matthews and George Hill, and bringing in bringing back the 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 
the trade of for Abaka and some other things that he did. Eric lists off the entire the entire slate of moves that the Bucks have made going back to last offseason. And I'll just run through them real quick and then we'll we'll take a deep dive into this. Traded number 31 in the NBA draft for 54 and 60 and two future second round picks. Selected Sandrew Mamukilishvili with the number 54 pick in the NBA draft. Thank you. I pronounced that correctly. And Georgios Kelitsakis with the number 60 pick in the draft. I'm not patting my back for that one. I'm not sure if I got it right. Resigned Bobby Hill, signed Bobby Portis, signed George Hill, signed Shemi Ojale, signed Rodney Hood, traded two future second round picks, and Sam Merrill for Grayson Allen, signed Thanasis Atentacumpo. In-season moves, signed DeMarcus Cousins, waived Giorgio Kalitsakis, signed Wesley Matthews. I think I did better on the second try. Waved DeMarcus, waved DeMarcus Cousins. I got cocky. Traded DiVincenzo, Rodney Hood, Shemi Ojale to the Clippers in a four-team deal for Surge. Signed Javon Carter, signed DeAndre Bembry, signed Luca Vildoza, signed Rajon Tucker. And the one move in there that they didn't make, that I didn't list off, was bring back P.J. Tucker. Signed Rajon Tucker, did not bring back P.J. Tucker. We'll get to that in just a second. But when you look at this list of moves, bringing back Bobby Portis, you had to do that, all right? So we'll start there. Just going over some of the bigger moves that he made. Bringing back George Hill, all in all, net positive, despite what happened in the Celtics series, and that's more on Coach Bud than anybody else for not recognizing that George Hill wasn't George Hill coming off the injury. Ojale and Hood were mistakes, but I always say every GM in every sport, anybody who constructs rosters is going to make mistakes. The good ones recognize it and correct their mistakes. He did that by getting rid of those guys and their contracts along with Dante for Serge Ibaka, who once again, hindsight 2020, but maybe you need Serge Ibaka if it's not the Celtics that you run into. The one move I can't really wrap my head around, oh yeah, and signing Javon Carter and DeAndre Bembry, both good moves. The one move that I can't really wrap my head around, that in my eyes is is a strike against John Horst, is is waving DeMarcus Cousins. I don't I don't understand why why he did that. I st- on the day he did it, I gave him benefit of the doubt and said there's got to be a big master plan and this team will be better moving forward with whatever they do than they were with DeMarcus Cousins. And that quite frankly was not the case. They could have used DeMarcus Cousins throughout the season and I think he might have been helpful in the postseason. I don't understand that one. And if you keep DeMarcus Cousins, Maybe you don't trade Dante, and maybe you're more versatile for the playoffs and you're ready for a team like the Celtics or a more physical team like the Heat. Because you've, you've erased a need for a big man. You don't have to go and trade for, for Sir, you don't have to go and trade for Serge Ibaka. Now the PJ Tucker deal and not bringing him back, and a lot of people think that not having PJ Tucker was the reason the Bucks season was ended at the hands of the Celtics. In a sense, yes. A team without Chris Middleton really could have used P.J. Tucker. A healthy Milwaukee Bucks team is just fine without him. And you can't really put that on John Horst. As the Bucks admitted, there were, there were luxury tax implications in not bringing back P.J. Tucker. 
which I defended at the time because when you looked at the total investment and what you get back from that guy, I didn't think it was worth it. Now, again, hindsight 2020, if you told me Chris Middleton wasn't going to be here and you're running into this Celtics team, I might have said P.J. Tucker is worth it. But again, that's on the ownership. But I, I couldn't knock you for having problems with Coach Bud. I couldn't knock you with having problems with certain players on this roster. I couldn't knock you with having problems with John Horace. I couldn't knock you for having problems with, with, with the ownership and, and the brain trust of the Milwaukee Bucks. I still trust all of them. Any roster needs tweaks, and the Bucks roster will have tweaks this offseason. But I think that roster was good enough to win a championship, especially if you have Chris Middleton. You just ran into a freight train and, was, and were without your second-best player. But I really, my confidence in the Bucks as an organization, not really shook at all. How about you? How are you feeling about the Bucks in this competitive window? Worse than you were two weeks ago? 414-799-1250. Tweet the show at 1250 AM. The fan, Rami in for Sparky on the Midday Madness. We got to be better, 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 better. We got to defend, you know, Jalen Brown better. We got to defend Tatum better. Got to find the three-point line better. Um, so what the playoffs are about, it's great. You know, game to game, the challenge, um, you know, to be better. We got to be a lot better. You know, he's got to be better as a group. We got to get better. We got to screen better, be better with our passes, better spacing, better, uh, better decisions. But I think we'll be better. We got to be better. It's the Rami Show. 12, no, it's not. Damn uh, it. Uh, uh, First uh. break I did it. First break I did it. Damn it. Try again. It's Rami Makloff in for Steve Sparky Pfeiffer on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Playoffs that, going on right now? That's right, Rami. we got a big one tonight. Game four, Panther Arena. Admirals still alive, down 2-1 to the vaunted, or rather despised, Chicago Wolves, rather the Rosemont Wolves, but mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about that. Uh, you can get playoff tickets for as low as $10 at Panther Arena tonight. Head on over to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That game coming up this evening downtown at Panther Arena. Asking you right now on Sparky's Midday Madness, before we hear from Dennis Krause coming up at 2.30, is your confidence in the Bucks as an organization shook at all? 414-799-1250. You can tweet the show at 12.50 a.m. The fan reading Eric Name's mailbag at The Athletic today. And Coach Bud is questioned on a number of different levels. Players are questioned whether they should be on this roster, whether the Abaca for DiVincenzo trade should have been made, John Horst for assembling this roster, the ownership and the front office for being cheap, for not bringing back P.J. Tucker. How has your perception of the Bucks changed in this championship window after they come up short against the Boston Celtics? 414-799-1250. You can tweet the show at 1250 AM. The fan. I'm, I am in for Sparky today because it's his birthday. He took the day off for his birthday. Happy, yeah. happy birthday, Sparky. Going out to see Top Gun. That's what he's afternoon. doing for his birthday? That's right. And then he's got Eric Church coming up tomorrow at uh, AmFam. This all sounds terrible. This all sounds awful. Mr. Nashville himself says it. <laughs> You know, so you know it reads something. But you know what? I was just going to bring this up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse. Thank you. Sparky's taking the day off for his birthday, which is fine with me. That's that's great. You should celebrate you. You know what I mean? It's good to celebrate you every once in a while. But I'm pretty sure. I don't know for certain. I want to ask Gary and Sparky, not that they're or Gary and Leroy, not that their memories work any better than mine. But I usually take the day off on my birthday, and I'm pretty sure 
that at least a couple times when I was working on the Wendy's Big Show with those guys, that Sparky gave me a hard time for that. He was like, you're taking the day off for your birthday? Who, who celebrates their birthday anymore in their 30s? It's not even special anymore. It's your birthday. Who cares? And now he's taking the day off for his birthday. He was accusing me of succumbing to peer pressure for going in the ocean and for going to Nashville, even though I have a phobia of country music. I have a feeling this day off, for Sparky's birthday, not Sparky's idea. I'm well, just that's all I'm gonna say is that this day off for his birthday, not Sparky's idea. Cause this doesn't seem like a Sparky thing to do to take the day off to celebrate Sparky. You know what I mean? Especially when and I'm just you know, now I'm just a humble producer back here sure. behind the glass, but yeah. I observe everything and I'm kind of my job is to watch and see that everything's going smoothly. And every day when you guys do your crosstalk on the show, especially recently with your trip down to Alabama, all of his oh stop. You're going to Nashville? <laughs> Mr. Rami, the big selfish himself. You're whoa, stop. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I, I do see the contradiction going Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure this day off for his birthday, not Sparky's idea. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know if he's listening and wants to defend himself. He's free to if he wants to. He knows the number. You know the number, 414-799-1250. Is your confidence in the Bucks at all shook? You can tweet the show at 1250 the fan. Gunslinger12 did that. He says, I feel like I say this too often. Wisconsin sports fans are notoriously fickle and get way too in the moment and can't look at the larger picture. Bottom line, Middleton just does something a tad different and doesn't get hurt. They're in the finals. I don't think that's a uniquely Wisconsin trait of being fickle and overreactive and prisoners of the moment or recency bias. I think that is most fan bases. I've worked in four different markets now and talked to fan bases of all three major sports and some college sports in all four of those markets, and I'm telling you, that is a trait I've noticed across the board. It's it's natural. It's the nature of sports. It can be an emotional thing for you, and so you will overreact you will be irrational you will be a prisoner of the moment that's going to happen and when you're expecting repeat and then this happens you 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 want to direct your anger and your frustration and your disappointment somewhere and at somebody you know Rami I was going to ask you because you obviously spend a lot of time up in uh, the Minneapolis Minnesota market Mm -hmm. doing work up there when when you work in a market like this where you know we've said it time and again on this station we are blessed if you are a Wisconsin sports fan, to have the teams that are performing the way that they are right now. I'm very interested for someone who spent as much time as you did up in that market, dealing with that doom and gloom that seems to come around every time that something remotely exciting happens. Is there always that underlying current of, well, this is great, but just wait, something's going to break our hearts and you know it's coming? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you think you got other shoe syndrome where you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, man, be a Minnesota sports fan for a year, for a minute. You know what I mean? And think about that. The Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. The Minnesota Timberwolves have literally been the losingest franchise in professional American sports since they entered the NBA. Their biggest it, highlight was just getting trolled by the NBA and TNT for winning a play-in game. And yeah, and every time you get a glimpse of hope with the Minnesota Timberwolves, it somehow falls apart. You're just waiting for that to happen. The Twins 
haven't have lost what is it 17 straight playoff games not not they can't win a series they get to the postseason and they can't win a game you have no business having any optimism when the twins get to october if you're a fan of that baseball team so if you want to say wisconsin fans are more fickle because they actually do have some success to bank on with the Bucks championship and more Super Bowl trophies than anybody and four straight playoff appearances for the Milwaukee Brewers. You can maybe convince me of that, but I'm telling you, every every fan base in every sport across the board can be fickle and can be overreactionary and can be a prisoner of the moment and of recency bias. And we're not even going to get into the Minnesota Wild. That's a whole nother level of, well, we can win 100-plus points, and yep, we're gone. I just wasn't going to get into the wild because hockey. You know what I mean? Careful words, Rami. This is Mr. Hockey you're talking to. I didn't know you were Mr. Hockey. I'm very bitter still about that Maple Leaf series, as I am every single time around this year. Hey, man, it's a a great sport if that's what you're into. It's just never You were talking about it on the big show very briefly about the playoffs. Did you catch that Calgary-Edmonton game last night? Uh, Yeah, man, of course I caught that Calgary-Edmonton game last night. Okay. Barn burner, right? So I've got the door closed, but I can smell the sarcasm what coming out of the no, crack. What do you mean? No, man. There were, eight, there were seven goals scored in a period. It was insane. Seriously? Yes. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yes. That's, that's probably, is that the coolest thing that's ever happened in hockey? Well, the coolest thing that's probably ever happened in hockey was when the Bruins came back against the Maple Leafs in Game 7 like 10 years ago when they were down four goals in the third. I just realized I should Yeah, talk about doom and gloom. I'm going to stop myself right now. It's not good for my health, man. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing this to you right now. Can I get one real quick thing off my chest before sure. we hear from Dennis Krause? I, I screamed and I yelled when... Uh, the season ended and right after the parade. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bow. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chris and Drew got on a plane to go play in some meaningless exhibition basketball that they call the Olympics. And I said, man, you're putting miles on your body, on your legs, on your minds that you don't need to put on, and it's going to catch up to you. The stuff catches up to you. You already have a crazy short offseason, and now you're going to fly over across the world to play, quote-unquote, for America, even though it's not at all for America. And then we see Drew run out of gas against the Celtics, and we see Chris's knee explode. No. And I'm proven right. No. Right? The, okay, Drew, maybe. Okay. Chris Middleton, that man slipped. You don't, I mean, maybe he maybe he doesn't no. slip. Did you not see the injury? The Olympics. Did you not see the injury? I saw it. The but, man slipped. But maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, or maybe his well, knee, what? Or, or maybe his knee is 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 stronger and, and more equipped to take oh, it. Oh, get out of here. He doesn't have the miles no. of the you know Olympics what? on it. We he doesn't don't know. slip. He doesn't slip if old John on the sideline with those big old mops behind the basket if he does his job, all right? I'm sorry, whoever that was, if you're listening, uh-huh. not your fault, but maybe uh-huh. it's your fault. That's all I'm saying. It's not in the Olympics. It's on little John. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah! What? <laughs> okay! That'd be awesome if little John was... Was the mop guy? guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like every time he runs out onto the court, he's like, "Okay, what? (laughs) Where?" (laughs) Like after he cleans up the spot. All all I'm saying is, like, okay. All I'm saying is, I don't think Chris Middleton's injury is on the Olympics. I think it's on just a little bit of a, you know, liquid on the floor. Okay. Well, whatever. I will fight you to the death on that. So then, I'm I'm reading in the Journal Sentinel today. The Bucks are going next year in the preseason to play games around the Middle East. They're going to head to Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates for a pair of preseason games against Atlanta on the 6th, and they will be the first games between two NBA clubs the league has played in the Middle East and the Arabian Gulf. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are we flying across the world again to play meaningless basketball games? Why are we putting these miles and the strain on the Milwaukee? But you got... Like the one blessing, the one silver lining of getting knocked out of the playoffs and the NBA schedule going back to normal is you're going to have a regular offseason to recover, to rest, to come back next year and try and reclaim the Larry O'Brien trophy. And so I'm already like, what are we, what are you doing? Why? Why, why would you do this? And then I continue reading and I absolutely lose my mind when I see that at that point, late in the summer, Giannis and Thanasis may have already ramped up as it has been reported internationally that the Greek national team expects them to play in the Eurobasket tournament, which runs September 1st through the 18th. We're sending the greatest player on the planet to go play in the Euro basket tur- and I know this is probably something Giannis wants to do. Somebody talk to you, and I get it, man. I get it. People have told him his whole life it's about country and pride and blah blah blah. Can somebody can somebody get to Giannis 
and explain to him that this is meaningless basketball. He's going to go over there and the Euro basket tournament. What even is that? What even is that that he's going to go over there and risk a championship run for? What, what are we doing here? Why? Why would why would Giannis and why would the Bucks allow Giannis to go and play in the Euro basket? Thanasis wants to go play. Go ahead, man. You'll still be able to cheer from the sidelines next year if your knee blows up in the Euro basket tournament. But Giannis, Giannis is going to go play exhibition basketball for no reason in the offseason. I'm sorry. People are going to say I'm overreacting. Eyes are rolling out of people's heads right now. I'm sorry, man. I'm just over all this international play for country and for pride when it really has nothing to do with that and putting at risk championships for the sport that you get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to play. And you got people living and dying on every shot that goes up in the air for the Euro bas- That's not even the Olympics. The Euro basket tournament. I don't understand it. And I just had to get that off my chest right after this. We're from Dennis Krause of Spectrum News One. You're listening to Sparky's Midday Madness. Rami in for Sparky. Sparky's Midday Madness presented by the Milwaukee Admirals right here on 1250 AM The Fan and your Odyssey app. Live from the Lakeland University studios offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Before we wrap up the madness, and this becomes the Rami show at 3 o'clock because it's not right now despite this being the Rami. Before we wrap up the madness... I do want to quickly touch on what the guys on the big show were talking about today, and that that's where Craig Council fits in the pantheon of Brewers managers. And Gary, Gary hit it right on the head. I do want to talk about that in just a second. But the guys on the Wendy's big show had on Dennis Krause of Spectrum News One, and uh, he had a column recently calling Craig Council the, the greatest manager in Brewers history. And and they started off the conversation right there on the big show, right here on The Fan. I wrote a blog for Spectrum News 1 calling Craig Council the best manager in Brewers history. And to me, it's, it's not a controversial take. It's just stating <laughs> exactly. the obvious. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's approaching the record for all-time wins by a Brewers manager. He's five away from tying Phil Garner. He has 558, Garner at 563. He's taken them to the postseason four straight years. Now, if you want to make, I, I'm not going to put words in the mouth of Leroy's neighbor, but you could make <laughs> an argument don't. for Harvey Keene, who I love. The late Harvey Keene took the Brewers to the 1982 World Series, the only Brewers manager to win a pennant. So I understand that. I also have great respect for George Bamberger, who led the Brewers, mm-hmm. you know, out of the wilderness into a winning team when he took over. Tom Treblehorn and Phil Garner had had long stints too. But mm-hmm. I think when you look at all things considered, team success. He's not done yet. I mean, I, I do agree that it'd be nice to get to at least one World Series, but I think he will. And uh, so I don't think it's a really going out on a limb that far. And, and I also want to say this. One of my pet peeves in this business is people who think that history started when they started covering sports. I understand this dates back to 1970. I have seen, I'm old enough. I've seen Every Brewers manager. I know about Dave Bristol. I know about Del Crandall. I know, I, you know, so it's not like I'm just going with recency bias. I think when you look at everybody that's managed the Brewers in their history, Craig Council will end up being the best ever if he's not already. So we decided to do this, Dennis, today as a topic. We saw it yesterday and we go, hey, you know, let's just do this because we, we've been talking about uh, the Brewers, and is it World Series a bust? And I said, no. I said, if you look at the payroll of the Brewers, I mean, they, they've got it toughest. 
more than anybody else in Major League Baseball just the way it's set up. I think if you look at the payrolls of the Yankees, the Red Sox, Astros, and the Dodgers and those teams, it, the Brewers are never going to compete with that. And so we took a couple phone calls on this so far. Most people that we've taken phone calls from don't even have Craig Council in their top three. Mm-hmm. And that just blows my mind. And I and I also happen to think that Dennis Day, Craig Council should have at least on two occasions won manager of the year. I just don't know if he gets the respect that he deserves here or outside of Milwaukee. It kind of surprises me when you say that about um, listeners not having him in their top three. And, and the only thing I can think of is that, you know, they don't like the way he handles a pitching staff or, or yeah, that, you know, that, lineup decisions it. that he's yeah. made, and those are fresh in their minds. Yeah, yeah. But when you zoom out and look at the big picture, uh, he's gotten the job done. Now, does he need to win a World Series to be considered a great manager? Uh, I, I don't know if he does in Milwaukee because the Brewers have never won a World Series. Uh, getting to one would, would equal Harvey Keene, as I mentioned earlier. But I think, Gary, you make a good point there. I mean, if, if the Brewers make the National League Championship Series this year and lose to the high-payroll Dodgers, does that diminish Craig Council as a manager? I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. No, I, and I would agree. Yeah, he said Harvey Keene was his guy. And I said, well, why don't you like, uh, you know, Council? I don't like that he stick with the players, you know, because he wants yelling. Well, they want yells, bitch. He wanted like all these other, all these top guys. If they slumping, he wants them sent down. I don't know. I, hey man, he, he's eighty one. He's also uh, um, a Bears fan too. So I don't, I don't get that. Well, that's, he's a, that's well, that's a Bears that's fan. That disqualifies hey, him for anything. I, uh, but... I, I don't judge him. I don't judge him. I do not. Do no, let me just say this: I, I, when I when I write this and say this, I I have a ton of respect for the late Harvey Keene, and he took over a team and took them to the World Series in 1982. They had a parade. So I, I, I love Harvey Keene, and this is nothing against him, but if you're looking at total number of wins, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be council within a week probably. Talking with Dennis Krause here on the Wendy's Big Show from Spectrum News 1. Dennis, Toby Altizer here. One thing, because I wasn't always the biggest Craig Council fan, but we were talking about it. He's kind of evolved as a manager where a couple seasons ago, he's not letting his pitching staff go that third time through the order. Now he knows he's got the strength in this pitching staff and he kind of lets them have a little more leash. How much have you seen Craig evolve over his time as a manager? Because I think he's really grown in his time in Milwaukee. Well, I, I think he has. I think you're right. And I also think that you got to give credit where credit is due. And Doug Melvin and Mark Atanasio made the decision uh, to give council the reins a little over seven years ago out of the front office. And I also think you got to tip your cap to David Stearns because a lot of times a new GM comes in, and you guys know this, yep. they want to put their imprint on it, and they, they, they sweep things clean. They went their own guy in the position. And Stearns, obviously, in his conversations with Mark Atanasio, it was kind of made clear that, hey, we think we have a good manager here in Craig Council. We'd like you to keep him. And he did. And I think that's a credit to David Stearns for not having the ego to say, hey, I've got to hire my guy. Uh, I think, and I'm not trying to speak for Leroy's neighbor here, but I think there are things in baseball that have changed uh, we all know, and I'm old enough to remember complete games and guys, you know, 150 pitches again. Those those days are gone. So I don't think you can hold what the game is today against Craig Council because he takes a pitcher out 
after five innings or 100 pitches. That's just the way it is. I think what's more important, frankly, than what I think or what other people think is what the players think because those are the people that he's in charge of, and they, they love him. And, and I would agree with you, Dennis. We'll shift gears just a little bit and, and talk a little Packers, if we will. Uh, if you look up at training camp, uh, no Aaron Rodgers, and everybody's talking about it, is, is that really much to do about nothing that Rodgers is not really at training camp with these young receivers? Well, as you know, you guys know better than I do. Uh, there is something to be said for being there and establishing, you know, chemistry with the new guys, whether it be Christian Watson or Sammy Watkins, who, who wasn't there the day we were there for practice on Tuesday anyway. But uh, I talked to Christian Watson about this, and, uh, and he's saying the right things because he's a rookie from North Dakota State. He's not going to, you know, call Rodgers out for not being there. Uh, he said that it doesn't matter at this point who's throwing him the ball because he has to do so much work to even get in the conversation of playing time. I thought it was telling, and I know that Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers are close, but Randall Cobb basically said, yeah, we wish you were here, but you know, not everybody is the same. He's got things he's got to do, and, and life goes on. He didn't make a big deal of it. These are OTAs. It's not the mandatory minicamp. It's not training camp. If he's missing this, those things, it's a big deal. Missing an OTA practice, I don't think, is a big deal because he missed them last year, and he won an MVP. Yeah, I would just say that uh, they went to the movies. They go bowling. I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it's great. <laughs> but I mean, you. I mean, Jai Alexander just signed a big contract. He didn't show up. You would think he'd be right. the first guy in there to go in there and talk to the guys and kind of be the leader. So some guys, I leave it up to the player, not the team. See, head coaches. I, I'm trying to think who. I think it was the Baltimore's coach. He says, hey, that's on Lamar Jackson. It's on him. I got to coach the guys who are in the locker room. And most guys would text the other guy and coordinate. Like me and Eugene Robinson, hey, man, I'll be there on this day. Let's do this. Let's get a schedule together. So I put it on the players more so than the team because, I, Dennis, we didn't have workout bonuses. Like some of these guys have workout bonuses. Those are the guys who are there because they're getting paid to do that. And I thought – Last year, maybe I'm wrong, but Rodgers forfeited some of their workout bonuses not to show up. So if a guy's going to put his money where his mouth is, hey, I don't have a problem with it. I, I would say two things. And again, you and Gary played the league, so you know more than I do. But I think there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers is entering his, what, 18th season as a Packer, which is a record. Yeah. And that is that you do have to have an off season. You do have to have some kind of balance. The other thing, more importantly, I mean, he's not bigger than the team. I get it. You can I'm not get an off-season when you retire. I'm on my off-season for the 20th but, year. But here, here's the thing, though, Leroy. In January, <laughs> I, if, when they're in the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> are we really going to say that the reason if they lose is because Aaron Rodgers wasn't there to go to Top Gun with his teammates in, in, in May? I don't think we are. I think that if you don't like a guy, you're going to say that. If you do like a guy, you'll make excuses for him. That's just the way it is. Everybody's, you know, in their corner. But I'm just saying, when you put a lot of stock into the whole receiver thing, I hey, I get it. Because they see other quarterbacks doing it. The uh, Tom Brady's and the, you know, the Wilson's. But I'll say this, though. Here's the, my frustration, though, Dennis, with this. Some fans think that those guys love the game more than Aaron. I disagree. I don't gauge how much a guy love a game based on coming to an OTA. I just don't do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you can always compare to other situations, and I know that Brady showed up for at least something that the Buccaneers were doing, and I know that it's it's different because he's in Florida and he lives there and everything, and Rodgers lives in California. Um, you know, I'm not saying I love it that he's not there. I'm just saying that I'm not freaking out that he isn't. That, that, that's the way I would put it. Okay. Talking Is that with, okay with you, Gary, that he agreed to disagree with you? Well, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Talking with Dennis Krause here at Spectrum <laughs> News 1. The, the main beneficiary of Aaron Rodgers not showing up to OTAs is Jordan Love. Right. How has he looked, and what is the plan for the Packers with him at this point? Well, I think their plan is just, you know, status quo. He, he's the backup. He needs to be ready if Rodgers goes down. It's right. interesting. A group of reporters, we, we talked to him on Tuesday, and my question to him was very, very simple. I said, what was your reaction when you heard about Aaron Rodgers' contract extension? Because this is his professional life. Let's not, let's not uh, sugarcoat it. He, he, whether he starts or not depends on Aaron Rodgers' status in Green Bay. And the fact that Rodgers signed for three more years uh, would tell you that Love, A, is either going to have to sit for a long time, or B, if he wants to play, he's going to have to be traded somewhere else. Mm. And I thought that Love's reaction was it was interesting. I mean, first of all, he said he's happy for Aaron, and you know the dude deserves it. He's been MVP, all that. But also, you could tell on a personal level for what it means for him, it was a setback uh, it, because he would probably be excited about getting on the field and playing and and proving that he's he's a capable NFL quarterback. And I don't think anybody should base his future on the Chiefs game last year or whatever. We don't know. We don't know yet what kind of quarterback he's going to be. We just know that Aaron Rodgers is a known quantity. Not only that, he's two-time defending MVP, and so it'd be tough for Love or anybody to unseat him. No, and I would and I would agree with that. And I and I think, Dennis, that that at this point, you got to keep him. Uh, And and for Jordan Love's sake, I think he needs an offseason to really try to drive up his stock if there, if there is any, and then he should try to take advantage. There's no way the Packers are going to try to move this guy because they need – I think he's the only viable backup, really, that they have behind Rodgers. It's interesting, Gary, uh, and guys that, you know, leading up to the draft, there were a lot of reports that teams, Atlanta in particular, was, was hot for Jordan Love. Well, obviously they drafted a quarterback, mm-hmm. so that's probably cooled. And next year's uh, quarterback draft is, uh, is expected to be rich – in talent. So uh, I don't know what the market is going to be for Jordan Love in the offseason. All I know is this. I think we all can remember the two seasons where Rodgers broke a collarbone and the Packers were desperate for a backup and, and their season dipped because he wasn't available. So to your point, Gary, I think in a, in a perfect world, they keep Love as long as they can because at least they would believe in the backup. There's Dennis Krause, Spectrum News 1, joining the guys on the Wendy's Big Show earlier today. If you missed it the second time around, you can always listen to it at 12.50 a.m. The Fan or on your Odyssey app. We talked about that yesterday. Excuse me. What is going on with me today? What Packers fans hope to get out of Jordan Love. And I, I said something similar to what Dennis said right there, which is, I know you traded up in the first round to get him, but there there is value in having a reliable backup quarterback if the Packers think he is that. And maybe, just maybe, you never know in the NFL, either through injury or through more drama that might pop up, the door opens for Jordan Love, and he ends up being the next guy for the Green Bay Packers. He hasn't looked like it to this point, but that's a very 
limited time. And as Dennis said, I don't think anybody really knows what Jordan Love is at the NFL level. Not me, not you, and probably not the Packers. But if they believe in him that he can at least be a a, a sufficient backup to Aaron Rodgers and keep the ship afloat if Aaron Rodgers was to go down, there's there's value in that. Maybe more value than what you'd get in a trade. And quite frankly, the best case scenario for Packers fans is that Jordan Love is that dude and and can take the throne when when all is said and done with Aaron Rodgers. But I want to talk about just real quick before I wrap up Sparky's Midday Madness, the what they opened the discussion with Dennis Krause and what they talked about on the big show earlier today. This Craig Council thing, man, some of y'all just don't appreciate what you got. We'll talk about that right after this. Sparky's Midday Madness. Hey, it's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan, 1250, your Odyssey app, as well as the Lakeland University Studios. Adam Roberts on the other side of the glass. Rami show coming up in just a few minutes. And talk some Packers expectations for Christian Watson, the uh, wide receiver taken in the second round. Also coming up on the Rami show, Ryan Horvat, 345. And a couple of uh, really funny dudes. Eric Wheelow and James Hancock will be here at 430 to shoot the breeze and play some draft mockery. Going to be a fun Friday on the Rami show starting at three o'clock. I caught a little bit of the big show and they talked a little bit about it with Dennis Krause of Spectrum News One in the interview you just heard here on Sparky's Midday Madness. But you guys, Adam, feel free to chime in on this because I only I only heard a portion of the discussion and, and saw some of the answers on Twitter at 1250 AM The Fan to the discussion of of Brewers managers and ranking Brewers managers and where Craig Council lands in the all-time ranking of Brewers managers and man I know I know I know people are in their car right now who know me and go Robbie what do you know you're a Cubs fan you're probably wearing Cubs stuff right now yeah I am I am guilty all right but I have been here for like 15 years 17 years minus 2 in in Minneapolis and Man, the numbers bear it out. I don't I don't need to have seen the entire history of Brewers baseball to look and see what Craig Council has accomplished. Too many people did not have Craig Council as the number one manager in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers. It's obvious. He has as many playoff appearances as the entire organization combined before he was the manager. And on top of that, Gary Ellerson hit it right on the head. And I've heard, I've I heard people like say the one knock against Craig Council is he outthinks himself sometimes. Smartest guy in the room, and he outthinks himself sometimes. Man, the fashion in which Craig Council has to manage this roster and this team on a day to day basis with all the moving parts. He's doing as much work as any manager in baseball right now, and maybe ever, and does it masterfully. Especially when you talk about the bullpen. His his handling of the bullpen and and the the health of his bullpen over the course of his tenure is ridiculous. Both in how good he uses them and how fresh and healthy he keeps them. It's insane. He's a great manager. He's the best manager the Milwaukee Brewers have ever had. And yeah, David Stearns helps because he's a really smart guy running things and giving Craig Council the pieces to work with. But like I said, a lot of moving parts 
when an organization is built the way that the Milwaukee Brewers are and a roster is constructed the way that the Brewers are. And for Craig Council to seemingly always know the right button to push and the right string to pull, or at least more than most would know the right button to push and the right string to pull, he's the best manager this organization has ever had and that this city has ever had, at least in the time that they've been the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't know about the Braves. Not sure about that. But it's pretty... I don't know how... how Anybody could could believe otherwise or could think otherwise. This is not a this is not a discussion that I think there is a lot of gray area on. Again, he has as many playoff appearances as the entire organization before he took it over. Cool. Harvey Keen took him to a World Series. Cool story, bro. They didn't win it. Maybe if they won it, I might say Craig Council is number two on the list. But he's number one on the list. Am I crazy, Adam? Is it clear is it as clear cut as I'm making it? Is Craig Council the greatest manager the Brewers have ever had? For the Brewers, yeah, I think okay. that was the consensus today. I mean, Fred Haney was a great manager for the Braves. Took him to two World Series, won one of them. Okay. But going to a World Series, it's not and especially back then, what four teams made the playoffs? I I'm, think in the fi- late fifties it was only two. Two teams made the playoffs. Okay. All right. We're gonna compare him to Craig Council who has to fight through playoff brackets that those guys could have never dreamed of, not to mention everything that this guy has to put up with on a day-to-day basis. It's great counsel, and there is no discussion to be had. Plenty of discussion to be had on the Rami Show. Right after this, this has been Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals, right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.